All right, there. Hey, Brendan, you ready to do this, bud? <clears throat> let's roll. Let's get these. Uh, let's get these old lappy tops out. All right. Well, they're up and running here. You got the uh, the latest uh, software updates. We're all good. Yeah, I got the Audacity up and the. And, uh... Ow! 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 Whoa! Oh, you're coming in real loud for some reason. Ow. What? My my volume is not that high. I mean, I, I could I could sit back further. I got. It's. Uh, I don't know what my my ear is kind of bleeding actually. Ow! Oh, you should get that looked at, Nathan. Uh, no, the, the, the it's the volume on the earphone that just came in really loud all of a sudden. Uh, all right. Well, just, wait a second. What the hell is Audacity doing? It's why, yeah, was it, you're an asshole. Nathan, Audacity just called me an asshole. I heard. That's, that's never happened before, I don't think. It's tr translating the, the, the recording into like a, it's not an MP3. What kind of file format is that? A 7HQTV? That doesn't make any sense at all. That's not viable on any platform. Oh my, oh my god, the, the second computer just caught on fire. Oh my god, get the fire extinguisher. Get the, Oh, why is it? Why is there only fire coming out of this? Which is really weird because it doesn't have any real mechanical innards at all. It's just oh. a straightforward machine, but yet for some reason it's still taking control of itself. It's self-aware. Oh my god! The podcast is trying to kill us, Brendan. Wait, it can't do that. No, it can't. It can't do that because we made it. We made it. Well, we finally put that fire out. Yeah, it was it was odd that I mean, a fire extinguisher actually doesn't have any, uh, you know, electrical moving parts. It's just it's it's a lever and release. But for some reason, it became self-aware as well. I was worried everything in my pocket was going to become self-aware. Right? I mean, the 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 fork from the pizza the other day was sitting there. I, I could have just jumped up and bit us. Mm-hmm. And my scissors from the pizza, too, because I eat my pizza like Cobra. Of course. I mean, who doesn't? <laughs> right. He lives a sad life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is a podcast called What Were They Thinking? It is. I'm Brendan. And I'm Nathan. Every week, of course, we talk to you about bad to questionable movies. And uh, we, you know, it wasn't that long ago that we talked about Sort of something related to Stephen King. I mean, we talked about Pet Cemetery 2 last week, which, not technically a Stephen King thing at all, but, but you know, related. a sequel to yeah. a movie based on a Stephen King novel. So it's pretty close. Yeah. Uh, also, <laughs> kind of two in a row where Stephen King is like, I don't want to talk about these. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, at least we didn't do Lawnmower Man. Oh, boy. Well, that <laughs> might have to come up at some point. Yeah. And we also have worked, I talked about the works of the related author Stephen Kong before on one of our old mini episodes. Yes, Stephen Kong, uh, King Stephen Kong. Right. Yes, we are uh, talking about, of course, the 1986? That yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> 
guys. The research is sound. Solid. <laughs> I believe but we don't have to get to Rotten Tomatoes till the end of the, of the episode, so we, <laughs> right. we we'll don't have it up right then. now. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's 1986, because I remember saying, oh, I was born that year. Oh, okay. I just told everyone my age. Don't steal my identity. 1986, Maximum Overdrive. Now, Nathan, this is an interesting... Um, kind of Stephen King adaptation because not only is this based on a Stephen King short story, yeah, but it's directed by Stephen King himself, the Written only thing yeah. he ever directed. That's which I I mean, for me, unfortunate. <laughs> because if everything he directed was this unhinged, oh my god. <laughs> You could <sighs> basically we'll, we're going to go through this obviously but you could basically uh I used to I used to refer to this as like if cocaine was a movie. Yeah. <laughs> this I've would heard be that before. Maximum overdrive. Uh so I mean we've got Emilio Estevez returning to the show. Yep. We had last time he was on here was for Judgment Night. That's been a while. Yeah, we have uh some some character actors like Pat Hingle. Yeah. Don't know if I noted anyone else. Oh, Lisa Simpson herself is in this thing. <laughs> Yardley Smith, that's right. Tired <laughs> uh, ass, <laughs> Oh, and I gotta say, she is annoying in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I could not stand her. And of course, uh, there's a little cameo later, which I'm sure you you you're quite familiar with this movie. You may know already, but maybe oh the listeners God. don't. So I'm gonna hold off on it for now. I want to say conservatively, I've seen this movie. 30 times. Okay, I think I've seen it. Okay, so here's the thing. So Maximum Overdrive, first of all, I just want to get this out of the way. Stephen King doesn't remember making any of this movie. Oh. Because he was so fucked on cocaine. The budget for this movie, $9 million. Ooh. Box office, 7.4. Well, got close. It's, it's close. <laughs> it's it's definitely more like a later years cult hit. Yeah. Um, But was it? Yeah, so I was going to say that this thing used to play on TBS all the time. So yeah. I'm more familiar with the censored version. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I'm also more familiar with like just like five minute sections of it because I like I never really sat there and watched the whole thing. TBS had commercials every what three and a half minutes? It felt like it. <clears throat> so the first time I actually saw this full thing, I was like, oh, this is bloody. <laughs> <laughs> and they say fuck a lot. <laughs> I think I was eight when I saw this. Oh, perfect. Uh, well, it came out... I didn't see it in theaters. My dad's not that deranged. Uh, plus, he's also not a big horror fan. But um, the video caught his eye at the, the local convenience store. Yes. And uh, the idea... Well, he liked uh, a lot of the stuff Emilio Estevez was in mm-hmm. at that time. Um, and... The idea of transport trucks being sentient, I guess, kind of kind of appealed to him, despite the fact that it was a horror movie. So we rented it, and my brother and I, of course, watched it because uh, you know my dad's good like that, and we fell in love with this movie. <laughs> Every time we could get to the video store or convenience store, depending on where we were at, if they had a copy of this movie, we would undoubtedly rent that and the never-ending story weird oh. combo but <laughs> never-ending story is wonderful yeah gary is a gigantic fan of that movie i enjoy it as well but this was always my pick that was always his pick 
and dad would more often than not try to be at the video store or convenience store with us so we wouldn't rent those movies so we wouldn't (laughs) be just spending another weekend watching those two movies if he had just bought us copies of those movies we we would have been fine we probably would never ask for video store money again (laughs) is is this when vhs tapes were like 50 dollars though possibly because i remember seeing a lot of like older ads were like buy never ending story part two on vhs today only (laughs) 39.99 yes which is hilarious now, <laughs> especially like considering it's forty dollars then. Yeah, like can you imagine if nineteen eighty six money? You imagine if a Blu Ray right now was like seventy five dollars. I remember when I was a kid. Some of them are depending on what you're getting, but if it's like a, yeah, yeah, like a Criterion ones. Those ones are usually super expensive. But mm-hmm. I remember when I was a kid at right around the same time. If I wanted a gift or a toy or something that cost $20, that was a grading present. Okay, yeah. I had to accomplish something big. So it was either a grading present or a Christmas present. It wasn't something that I could ask for for, say, like, I don't know, my, my birthday or something. like some, Or Easter, like one of the lesser gift-giving days, it had to be something big, because $20 was a big deal in 1986, apparently. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep, so, I mean, $9 million also, like, fairly sizable budget in 1986. Right, if you think $20 is a big deal in 1986, think about <laughs> 9 million of them. That's like 200 today! I don't know about that. <laughs> but, this movie is entirely... Well, actually, I'll let let you you tell us about this movie, Nathan. Okay, well, my affection and backstory for it aside... Excuse me. We start off with the planet Earth being caught in the tail of a comet, the Rhea M comet, which causes a green glow about the Earth. Uh, This leads us to the speculation that this comet has some sort of weird aura to it that begins making all manners of vehicles and machines come to life. Now, we're going to get into the the spotty logic of this well into the movie because there are times where I was like, "That come on, no, that's that doesn't have moving parts. It's not a it's not a machine like that. It's supposed to be electrical." But side the world's Starts going nuts, as one of our characters puts, goes into maximum overdrive. And uh, (laughs) uh, a group of people end up uh, trapped or holed up at the Dixie Boy truck stop uh, in Wilmington, North Carolina. And they have to try to survive uh, the onslaught of the assault from vehicles and other various machines and other things that don't have real moving parts. Uh, and try to either they first they try to survive and then of course they have to inevitably escape and the idea is that they want to get to this island uh, where there are no vehicles. Let's dive into the deepness of it. Who made who? Yes, start off with a soundtrack by AC fucking DC. Yes. And when we, and when we say soundtrack by AC DC. We mean, like, every bit of music in this movie is by ACDC. Every like, bit. Not just, like, ACDC songs, but they do the transitions. Yep. 
every like you all were the saying incidentals. Yeah, like you were saying before we started recording. Yeah, all the incidental stuff. Like the soundtrack was entirely ACDC, and I think that's what hooked my brother and I when we were <laughs> kids because our older cousins were, you know, big into rock and roll and heavy metal, mm-hmm. and we knew ACDC was a cool band. Uh, at least by their standards, they are a cool band. Uh, but we were just kind of going along with our cousins, and we were like, oh, it's ACDC. Oh, it's all ACDC. It's throughout this movie. This is the greatest movie we've ever seen. <laughs> so, yeah, so shit's going down right from the get-go, right? Just, just trucks well, yeah, are becoming the, uh, self-aware. Well, and... it's not so much that... Well, first, okay, first of all, we start by seeing uh, we get a, a cold shot open... Wilmington, North Carolina, and the first thing that actually starts going rogue is a pixel board that's flashing the time and the temperature, the time and the temperature, fuck you, fuck you, and then a an ATM, which calls Stephen King an asshole. Honey, this thing, this machine just called me an asshole. Come over here, sugar bobs. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> So that's that's you get your director cameo right out of the right off the bat. You get your just Hitchcock. like Hitchcock. Yeah, just to say your Hitchcockian cameo. <laughs> Definitely as exactly as subtle. <laughs> if you if you if you're not paying attention, you will definitely miss him, just like the Hitchcock cameos. <laughs> that's the thing. Like, Hitchcock, like you said, he always went out of his way to uh, to do his best to blend into the background with his cameos. You see Stephen King, it's like, that's Stephen fucking King. Oh, his face is the entire screen. Yeah. But even even other movies that he's been in, like uh, Pet Cemetery, the original one, he is the minister at Gage's funeral. Oh, yeah. Believe it. He, no, no, it wasn't Gage's, was it Gage's funeral or was it the 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 house uh, the housemaid? Uh, I honestly don't remember. I know it was a funeral and I know when he showed up, he, he might as well have been like, hey, it's me, kid, Stephen King. <laughs> right. But the thing is, like, it's not as egregious as this, where we're getting a full face shot of him. But every time you see him, you're like, "That's that's Stephen King." Like, there's <laughs> he is unmistakable. And I mean, it's nice that he he obviously he has an affection for his proliferation of literature, uh, so much so that he wants to be involved as much as he can a lot of the times. Yeah, but. Unfortunately, because he's so unmistakable as Stephen King, it takes you out for just that half a second. <laughs> yeah, you're like, okay, so this wait, what? Wait, what? Stephen King? Oh, sweet, Stephen King. Oh, right, we're watching a movie. He's not Stephen King. <laughs> <laughs> he disappears into the role, is what you're saying. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, oh goodness, we go from that to. Uh, the opening with the theme song, essentially, for this movie, Who Made Who? Yeah. Uh, a drawbridge in Wilmington, North Carolina, becomes sentient and starts raising on its own. Yeah, it's, it turns into a real disaster. Yes. <laughs> Watermelon everywhere. Uh, a hippie-packed ACDC van or is destroyed. Uh, a dude falls through the crevasse into the waters. Oh, is that the guy on the bike? Because I laughed for like 10 minutes at that. Uh, yeah, because it's like a Wilhelm scream as he falls in slow motion. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, cars are crashing into each other. Things are going through their windshield. And the the two 
guys manning the bridge are two of my favorite actors in the entire movie. Especially when he's like, The bridge, where are you going down? (laughs) Which translates into the bridge went up, but the barrier didn't go down. You some kind of asshole. (laughs) You stupid asshole. (laughs) Yeah, the guy's just picking his nose up to the knuckle. Uh, which segs, segues into everyone's southern accents in this movie. Oh, yeah. They are all over the map. You have, like, people that are kind of, like, barely to- sort of swayzing it a little bit, mm-hmm. like, next to kin. And then you have people that are like, Well, gosh darn dude, I'm a You can't be referring to that Bible salesman, can you? <laughs> Good lord. let's get to that (laughs) I wrote him down as like a character I feel like Joe Flaherty would play (laughs) Uh, well he is kind of dressed like uh, the like uh, Guy Caballero from SCTV (laughs) I think that's why I thought that yeah yeah (laughs) um where can we let's just uh, just move right on because the next thing we see is uh, as you said, the the Green Goblin is in this movie, or at least his face is on the truck, and it is a beautiful fucking truck. I gotta yeah. say. Oh yeah. I have I have uh, cousins, and my my actually my my half brother is uh he's a was a long haul trucker, and so I've actually been around these sorts of vehicles my entire life in some way, shape, or form, and I have a deep appreciation for this truck. <laughs> Almost as much as the double sleeper from Over the Top. Yeah, we want to talk about that movie. We'll do that another time. <laughs> oh, don't worry, Sly. It'll happen. <laughs> well, here's the thing, Nathan. It's going to be tough for some of this because there's not a whole lot of plot. No. I mean... Not really. I mean, I gave the plot. Yeah. I you mean, get... I, when you say that's the bare bones, it's because that is it. This is a very bare bones movie. Everything is dressing. You kind of briefly see everybody in this diner, and then we get the greatest cameo in the history of cameos. Giancarlo Esposito, a.k.a. Gus from Breaking Shut- Bad. Is that him? That's him. No. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I didn't. He's the Yo Mama guy. He's the, uh, well, he's the guy in the arcade, yeah. Yeah, the one yeah, yeah, who, yeah. who looks up the pinball machine and goes, yo, mama. <laughs> yep, that's him. And I think, based Which on... I, I actually, I wrote, the pinball machine didn't insult him in any way at all. <laughs> like, I feel that there should have been a shot there where one of the arcade machines was calling him names or saying he's a piece of shit or something. And Honey, then he this could go, arcade machine just called me an asshole. <laughs> right. But he would be like, yo mama, <laughs> machine. But um, I would like to uh, put forth a theory here. Okay. Because, you know, uh, the other movie we did with him was uh, Monkey Bone. Mm-hmm. And based on his fate in this movie, I would assume <laughs> that after he passes away here, he becomes the devil thing from Monkey Bone. Um, Morpheus or whatever his name is. Yeah, yeah. Lord exactly. Sleep. This will pause it. I could posit a theory to you as well. Um, there is a, a rumor, um, and it's I think he's Stephen King's actually confirmed it that there is a longer cut of this movie. Oh boy! That he said he'd shown George Romero, and it made Romero ill. 
Like it was that I don't know if it was that terrible or it was because it was that violent. So <laughs> I, I pause it to you. I pause it to you that there is a scene oh. where the one of the video screens is you know, basically mouthing off and saying terrible things to Giancarlo Esposito, thus cueing him to say, yo mama. I, yeah, I bet you he just, in a cocaine-fueled rage, accidentally cut it out. Possibly. And I want them, him specifically, Stephen King, to release that cut. I want to see that movie. I feel like it may be lost forever. I hope not. I hope he has it stored away in like a vault something somewhere and we get it someday because I want to see it. He's going to release it in a hundred years like that fucking John Malkovich movie. (laughs) (laughs) We are introduced to our uh, body bag fillers uh, for the most part and our hero played by Emilio Estevez. Who again is doing the Swayze thing. Yep. But man... Sometimes. They, sometimes. <laughs> and it's it's not like he he wouldn't go on to have other movies where he had to put on an accent. I don't feel he is a, as egregious as some people are. It's more of a Clancy Brown from Pet Cemetery 2 where it's there, but then it just kind of disappears for a bit, and then it comes back, and it disappears for a bit. <laughs> Hippity but hop he, back and forth. He is a parolee. As working as a short order cook at the Dixie Boy. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and his boss is Commissioner Gordon. A.K.A. <laughs> Pat Hangle. Yes, the Tim uh, Burton Commissioner Gordon. Right. And um, he uh, basically wants uh, to get a free hour of work out of uh, of Billy, a.k.a. Emilio Estevez. Yeah. Says, you want me to punch in for... You want me to work nine, but only punch in for eight. And, yeah, it's a shit deal, obviously, um, but it's not like he's saying, you want me to punch in for five days but work six. Yeah, I, I, when he said that, I was like, oh, I mean, I guess that's a dick thing to do, but that's, he's not the most evil person I've ever heard of. And I'm not saying that he should be doing it, however, he does kind of have him over a barrel, we, because we're introduced right away the idea that Pat Hingle... His character, uh, Mr. Hendershot, that's it, Hendershot, mm-hmm. uh, he is sketchy from the jump. Oh, yeah. We need to know that he is irredeemable, essentially. <laughs> he is, he's a straight-up villain, more so than the trucks. Well, because you need a, you need a, a villain that they can f- interact with. Uh, and communicate directly with, not through Morse code, which comes later. We all, oh God, we also <laughs> learned that one of the other parolees' names is Gene Poole. Gene Poole? <laughs> I did not notice that. When Emilio is looking through the, the punch-in cards, one yeah. of the names is Gene Poole. That's hilarious. <laughs> because we see there are several other parolees' uh in the in the punch card slots because they're uh, designated by a silver star that's up at the corner of their punch card. Yeah, that's how he gets cheap labor. And uh, I mean, of course, like you said, it's cheap labor for him, and he can basically do make them do whatever they want or whatever he wants, rather, because if he, they don't, he'll report them to uh, their parole officer. Right. So then we cut, as we you had said, Giancarlo. He he's. Uh, uh, he's in the arcade uh, when things kind of start going bananas uh, in uh, uh, in the Dixie Boy, uh, even before 
uh, one of the better scenes comes up <laughs> with the with the knife. Um, oh, but actually, these these three things kind of start. They kind of all happen at about the same time because everything starts going nuts in the arcade. Um, uh, Duncan, one of the guys who pumps fuel there, uh, he's out filling up the Green Goblin truck, and uh, the diesel stops. He's like, "What's going on with that?" And he he takes out the takes the the nozzle out of the the truck out of the out of the uh, fuel tank, and starts looking down the barrel to make to see what's wrong with it. And of course, it spurts to life, and he gets face full of diesel. Uh, and they take him in uh, to what is essentially going to be kind of the infirmary that is just a room plastered wall to wall with hardcore pornography. <laughs> yeah, all over the place. Which. I'm guessing you had never seen that scene before because you were only familiar with the TBS version. I think the TBS version, he gets the stuff in his face, they take him away, and then it's a hard cut to commercial. (laughs) That that sounds about right. This movie has a spotty relationship with what constitutes something that can become self-aware. Okay? Now, as a kid... I just thought everything coming to life was, it was great because, you know, I was eight and this movie was amazing. As, as I got older, I, I got to the point, well, I mean, we're we're just going to have to talk about the elephant in the room. Another podcast, which inspired our podcast, talked about this extensively. Yes. And it confused the hosts on that show as to what constituted a machine. And the whole time I was listening to that episode few years back when because i listened to that one a lot it's one of the better episodes from them they are they're kind of trying to figure out what constitutes a machine or what would become self-aware and that got really got me to thinking anything that had electrical parts should have been something that had the ability to come to life or to be manipulated if it was connected to uh, an engine or or like a CPU or something like that, it would be able to be manipulated uh, through the wires or electricity. My issue is there are several things in this movie that don't have a central engine or CPU or anything like that that for some reason come to life and become self-aware. That is the central criticism. (laughs) For me, yes, it is. Yeah. Um, because, well, we're, we're kind of, uh, we, we're kind of introduced to it in the next scene because we cut away from the Dixie boy to a, uh, you know, the, the, the kids baseball game. Yeah. Like a little league thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's all done and the coach is going to buy sodas, uh, for the kids and the, the soda machine starts shooting pop cans out at a high rate of speed uh almost that they're like a bullet or a projectile but that's not how soda machines work it's a gravity release it pushes the thing forward it falls down into the cradle you reach in you grab it there's so many times in this movie where things come to life and then do things that like they wouldn't be able to do yeah like i there's no there's no pop machine that like sh- would be able to shoot a can of coke out at you. No. But that happens to the coach. He takes one to the nuts 
and then takes one to the face. Oh, and he is brained. Like, he is killed. Yeah. It, like, a dent in his skull. And when when I was... Again, I'm going to be saying this a lot. When I was a kid, when I first saw this movie, uh, my dad, I think, was off-put a bit by the violence and gore in it. Of course, my brother and I loved it. And that's... <laughs> for the longest time, this was probably the most intense movie we had ever seen. And I think that's one of the reasons why we watched it over and over and over again. And might be one of the reasons why I'm a little desensitized to horror movies now. But yeah, so this this see the the soda start launching at the kids too. Yep. And I'm assuming kills some of the kills like almost all of them. Well, it, it at the very least stuns them. Well, um, one kid is definitely dead. Yes, because he gets uh, steamrolled. Well, the, yeah, he's trying to get away, and and wipes out, and a steamroll comes running through the field and just fucking grapes him. Yeah. Like, just right over top of him, crushes him like a Concord grape. <laughs> and the one kid who is uh, Duncan's son, the guy who got the oil in his eyes earlier, yes, is able to get on his bike and basically get away. Now, based on this movie's internal logic, I was hoping, like, the most ridiculous... Like, I wanted his, like, bike to come to life and, like, his, his baseball cap... <laughs> Given given some of the things uh, that that come to life or the way they work, it, I mean, it would have been yeah that could have been plausible. His bike could have come to life. Like no, it can't. It it has to be driven by manual power, and anything that is manipulated manually should not have the ability to be sentient. And that is going to be a big plot point for me later. So I'm just going to save that, and we're going to move on here. He try, he's escaping and seeing the carnage. Yeah, the sprinklers, the the dog, the dog that's been killed by a toy truck, a uh, police car, I radio control police car. I guess it went into the dog's mouth or something. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, very strange. Well, actually, I kind of thought of it as like it's that stereotype where dogs like to chase cars, right? Right. So it's like the car got revenge or something. Right. And that's probably what coke-addled Stephen King was going for as well. Oh, no. Have I been doing cocaine? <laughs> oh, But I think this cuts over to hashtag me too, Joe Flaherty. <laughs> yes, the Bible salesman. Uh, and he's driving with, uh, oh, God, what's her name? Laura oh, Harrington? Before we, before we move on, we have to hashtag the last bunch of scenes, bud. Hashtag child murder, hashtag dog Dog murder. murder. Yep. Okay. So yes, the most stereotypically southern of southern Bible salesmen. Oh, let it, me just feel up your leg. He almost uh, had his hand in her vagina. Yes. <laughs> like, he was very close. <laughs> and she's obviously doesn't want anything to do with this because he's, he's really gross. He's really gross. She was just hitchhiking. Yeah. And yeah. she's trying to listen to the radio because the radio is warning people uh, they don't know what's going on, but you know there have been reports of machines coming to life and hurting people. So if you're near a highway, get off the road. I also i I wanted one. I wanted at least one scene where the car someone was driving became sentient. Right. Like I was actually surprised that didn't happen. I'm like, wait. Why are they all conveniently driving cars that haven't been affected? Yeah, because not only the the Bible salesman, but also Kurt and Connie, which we'll meet a little later. They're driving a car, and they drive extensively. Yeah. 
Uh, so she tells she tells him if you touch me again, you'll be wiping your <laughs> wiping your ass with a hook. Yeah. I, I never heard no talk like that when I was a boy. <laughs> they get to the diner first. Yeah. Because here's what happens: they get to the diner first, um, and because she forces him off the road. Uh, but we actually, next we meet uh, Curtis and Connie, and Curtis is a fantastic perv. Pull over, Curtis. I gotta pay. Can I watch? No, you can't watch. Ugh, I like watching girls pee. <laughs> uh, that was the. That you know what though? That wasn't the weirdest sexual thing in this movie. We'll get to that later. No, oh, it's, it's certainly not. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, no, uh, it, that's actually a legitimate fetish. So, I mean, it's not the weirdest. <laughs> it's the... Yeah, it's it's just, it's weird that it's introduced at all, though. Fair. <laughs> like, I don't but know why. Let's, we know why. There's Hashtag a little cocaine. white powder. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Anything that you're like, why would somebody do that? Just tell yourself, right, Bolivian marching powder. They pull over uh, to the first truck stop or gas station they find this one is just it's got a couple of dead guys and there's nobody there and this is where they're accosted by a truck now again they have been driving this whole time right they escape being murdered uh by the truck by jumping into their car and driving off in their car yeah the car has not, even though there are a couple of vehicles around them that have come to life and killed, their car has not been affected yet for some reason. Exactly. And you can't, like, even, like, um, you can't even say, like, oh, well, maybe it's just the trucks for vehicles. But it, that doesn't, but everything else is coming to life, too. Like, yeah. Like you said, like, sprinklers, uh, inexplicably vending machines. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, it's not a situation where... Yeah, it, it, it's just only trucks. So, it, yeah, it, it, I think it's just like... I think uh, Brent can explain it best, actually, why the cars don't come to life when they're driving them. Plot! Yeah. Well, not just that, Brent. Uh, cocaine. <laughs> good, good impression. Thank you. Flawless. <laughs> Emilio uh, goes out. He's checking out the interior of the truck to see if somebody was driving the truck when it came to life and killed Duncan, because, you know, they still haven't fully grasped the idea that machines are sentient. Right. And a beautiful, luscious interior inside that truck, I gotta say. <laughs> I, I've seen apartments that are that, that uh, don't look as nice. Yeah, like where I used to live. Very much. I didn't want to say it. You said it, not me. Eh, well... <laughs> What are you gonna do? There's nothing. You can't, uh, you can't. Sometimes you can't polish a turd. You know what I mean? This is and this is and he. They tried with this movie. They try and try. <laughs> um, is this where the weird romance starts? Yes, because um, she gets she gets his attention. He climbs out of the uh, the Green Goblin truck that has a little for some reason a, a Jack in the Box with the Green Goblin in it. This is the girl that was getting me tooed, by the way. Yes. Uh, yeah. Like you said, Laura Harrington. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Harrington. He's they they're sitting there talking, and the 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 mirrors on that truck are not motorized. <laughs> oh, did they're, the mirrors move? I didn't even catch the mirror that. moves to look at them like the truck needs to see with its mirror. 
which is weird. <laughs> cocaine. Well, some people um, say that the eyes are the mirror of the soul. <laughs> but the soul. mirrors are the eyes of the truck. So there, <laughs> you, right. there we go. That's that's the often forgotten second part of that quote. <laughs> we, we, we solved it. Yeah. So the mirror moves for some reason. Cocaine. Yeah. Uh, but it's not a motorized mirror, and it shouldn't be. Like, I know. Uh, I know power mirrors have been a thing for quite some time, but I don't. I don't know if they were a thing on as big rigs at that time. I doubt it. So we'll leave that maybe as questionable. But there is other stuff later on that is. There's. There's no question that that thing is not motorized. Right. <laughs> So, yeah, well, no, she comes right up to him, and they start their conversation. And the, one of the first things she says to him is, like, uh, like uh, you're a hero. And I'm like, what? Well, they have the, when, as they're walking away, they have that um, ADR conversation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Where she and... says, like, you are some kind of hero or something like that. <laughs> what <laughs> yes. are you talking about? She's like, you're kind of cute. Or whatever, yeah. It's like the weirdest, like, meat cute ever. Yes. Uh, we cut back to um, the kid. The kid's name's not Billy, because that's that's Emilio Estevez's character's name. Um, I just called him the kid. Well, we get uh, we we cut back to the kid, uh, and he is uh driving around, and he's seeing some carnage. Huh? Because there's cars that have killed people? Uh. <laughs> we see a lady who's been strangled by her power windows, which, fine. Part of the yeah. electrical. <laughs> a Walkman has somehow killed a person with by turning the music up so loud that their ears bleed and they bleed to death? Mm-hmm. Like, why couldn't the dude just whip the Walkman off and be like, oh, done with that, it's malfunctioning. I'm not putting uh. it back on. Those are the old style headphones that you couldn't take off till the song was done. Oh right, but the <laughs> next, the next one is one of the most egregious, ig- ignoring of what would constitute something that should be able to come to life, in that a woman is strangled by her hairdryer, but the cord wrapped around her neck. Yeah, the cord is not motorized. <laughs> There's Yelly. no moving parts in it. <laughs> Like, if the hairdryer had turned up super high and went in her mouth, then maybe. Maybe, but again, the only thing that hairdryer would be able to do is turn its heat up or maybe explode next to her head while she was using it. Yeah. It's the only way that hairdryer could have hurt her directly. Possibly indirectly by setting her house on fire. But that's not what happened. She's strangled by the cord. And we yep. get a oh, our killer lawnmower. Uh, which takes us back to the happening. It's like <laughs> no, the happening, but on a real small scale. Nobody is flattened, unfortunately. Right. It's just some dude is run down by it. Yeah. So this is how we get to see all that, uh, um, all that stuff. This is when Duncan wants to go out, and but he, they, they want to stop him because he's got that double vision. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, and Duncan is dead because he is struck by the, a truck, which then strikes the car salesman's vehicle. And that's where he runs out yelling, cocksucker. 
you motherfucker. Like, he's a Bible salesman and cursing like a longshoreman, which is to be expected because, like you said, he me-tooed her in the car. Mm. So we know he, he sells Bibles, doesn't necessarily live by them. And I think we know, too, that Stephen King is not super fond of religion. True. True. So that's, I think that's his thing right there. He's like, I want to make this Bible salesman as skeevy as possible. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so because Duncan is dead, they again, they move him downstairs with Giancarlo Esposito. I, I just assume that they're going to be stacking bodies in the basement like cordwood. Yeah. You can uh, you make a new uh, wallpaper. Right. The Bible salesman, he is also struck, but he, they wouldn't they don't take him downstairs because he is like thrown to the other side of the driveway and into a ditch yeah because that's gonna come up later uh bick is a proud sponsor of this movie because we see it on the only other truck with personality i guess because <laughs> it's the only other truck that i i like okay i i i i know that truck and i know the other truck all the other ones are just extras i'm surprised bick was like uh, wait, what, what are you using her name for? <laughs> <laughs> well, sorry, it's just going to be on the side of the truck. You, Bick isn't killing anybody. Although, giving my grasp of logic for this movie, uh, apparently pens could have come to life and killed people too. Oh, that would have been amazing. They should have just went all out. <laughs> just made it everything. <laughs> oh my god, my outfit's coming off. I'm naked. <laughs> <laughs> and the trucks, they start circling. Now it's... the. the eyes are fully open vehicles and machines are now self-aware and they've started circling the truck stop so they the people can't escape now we we find curtis and connie surviving the apocalypse driving around in their car they get to the dixie boy figuring that you know they'll be safe ish there because there'll be people at a truck stop but they get there and the trucks are circling uh, and, uh, Connie is like, yeah, we'll be fine when we get there. Ha <laughs> ha, yeah, right, Curtis, you're an idiot. <laughs> or words to that effect. Yep. Uh, but Curtis, having none of it, is going for it. He, he sees a gap, and he's gonna take his shot. Again, in his motorized vehicle. Mm-hmm. That has not become sentient. Right. <sighs> He goes for it. They get clipped, but they survive. We find out Mr. Hendershot has a rocket launcher because <laughs> cocaine. Nathan, you know how, like, when you own a convenience store, you always have to equip a rocket launcher? And several other bits of ammunition and you, ordnance. You never know. Yeah, you never do. Also, just going to throw this out there. Maybe not the best thing to have in your basement when you employ mostly parolees. Right. <laughs> he blows up a toilet paper truck. And and uh, Emilio Estevez, I believe, at some point says, Get out of the way, you crappy asshole. Okay, let's also address that. The weird swearing in this movie. Because there are times when they have no qualms with going straightforward. F-bombs, shit, goddamn, things like that. But then there's late earlier, Pat Hangelga says, I don't give a ladybug. <laughs> yeah. Like, why, why? Why? Is that supposed to be folksy and endearing to us? Well, yeah, obviously Pat Hingle's character is very endearing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, they call the, uh, the, the <laughs> Laura Harrington's character the, the road twitch. Oh, yeah. Like, fuck. He's a piece of shit. 
Yeah. But he also finds out. So this, I think, this is what Emilio finds out that about this uh, armory because of like you know the rocket launcher and shit. Yes, because he goes. <laughs> oh my god. Uh. But before he get goes to full on investigation, because he wants to know about this, oh. we do get a, a, a brief scene where uh, the hitchhiker, Laura Harrington, the road twitch, Brett, I think is her name. Yeah. Uh, she gets to say the title. Oh yeah, she does. She was hitchhiking to Florida. At least I was until the world went into maximum overdrive. <laughs> she's got. A, we know she's got a straight razor. Yeah. And he's like, don't stick. If I put my arm around you, are you gonna stick me with that thing? I can't stick you with a straight razor. Yeah, you can put your arm around me. Okay. But she's. We know that because she cut uh, Curtis, no Connie, out of the car with the uh, of her seatbelt with it. Again, right. the car. <laughs> it's dead. So we're just gonna leave it. Their their car is killed by its own people. I guess. I have had it up to here with this vehicle on vehicle violence. It's gotta stop. Nathan, uh, I don't appreciate using this podcast as your personal soapbox, but I I'll try agree. to rein it in. Listen, I am a co-host. It's my podcast too. Listen, I agree with you, but mm-hmm. we need to not alienate our listener base. Fair. Some people okay. like machine on machine violence, and I, I know it's a. I know. All right, Nathan, I know. I, I dial it back. I'll dial it back. It's okay. All right. Okay. It's fine. Okay. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So. Uh, let's go back to the scene with uh, Billy and Brett, uh, which is it's not a Brokeback Mountain thing. Brett, remember, is the hitchhiker. Yes. She goes from being um, streetwise and tough to, I'm so scared. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, because, you know, the movie's got to have a damsel, even though yeah. we have arguably three other ones. And her emotions turn on a dime. Oh, her character is wild. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, again, we get another weird swearing substitute with Holy Crow. Um, but then, yes, this is where Billy, he's going full-on investigatory mode, and he goes to talk to Bubba while Bubba is taking a poop. And, like, this is the strangest thing. Because, like, this movie's obviously, like, there are intentional comedy bits. Yes. There's also a lot of it is supposed to be, like, you know... like scary, I guess, or tense at least, and turn out to be unintentionally comedy. Yeah, why are there f- fart noises throughout this? Scene? I guess I'm only thinking that in in his blow-addled brain, at the time, Stephen King said that, that nobody ever makes noises in the bathrooms in movies. I mean, you go to the bathroom, you make some body noises because you know. That's yeah. what you do. So I I don't know if this is his uh his his homage to Cronenberg so we could have some body horror. <laughs> Bubba has got some stuff going on with his insides. He's just Yeah, he's got fucking the Donald Duck shits. Yeah. And can he's you imagine? Ta- <laughs> I couldn't. Although well, No, I mean I was gonna say, can you imagine if like in The Godfather like, the scene where Al Pacino goes in the bathroom to get the gun. There's just some dude in the stall being like... <laughs> it like, certainly would take away from the gravitas of the moment. The tension is broken just a tad. <laughs> it's like Wendy Winston. <laughs> yeah. Fart to break the tension. Oh, you reminded me that that movie exists. <laughs> 
<laughs> so Billy is is he's he's pressing Bubba for answers while he's in the stall taking a poop, reading yep. a porno, high society, uh, which is advertising sixty dollar pornography on the back. Well, because that's what you want to do when you're taking a shit. The best thing to do is to get a boner. <laughs> you man, I'm gonna tell you, my dad's a mechanic. So I've, uh, again, growing up around people who had service stations, worked as mechanics, uh, in which are is, it was a very male-dominated field at the time, and still kind of is, in the bathroom, there was always invariably girly magazines. Mm-hmm. All the time. <laughs> because people didn't have smartphones. <laughs> so... That's how you, I guess you got your porno fix is when you went to take a poop. I just don't understand. Like well, I don't. I understand the magazines. Yeah. But like, you my know what porno? the like the last thing on my mind while I'm taking a shit is sex. <laughs> well, some people is not. Look at Curtis. Oh boy. He wants to watch his new newlywed wife take a pee. Yeah. Can I watch? Right. I don't know why I made it sound like Sling Blade. <laughs> well, well, I mean, if you raise it up a bit, I mean, that's essentially the same accent that he's putting on. I like to watch Lisa Simpson take a shit. Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> Fuck. Before we do get Billy's backstory from Mr. Hendershot, where she explains why, um, why Billy was on parole, or is on parole, because he... Robbed a, a grocery store and was arrested red-handed by the cops. Basically saying, you think he's smart, he's he's an idiot. Mm-hmm. He's no mastermind, that's for sure. Right. He got, he got arrested trying to rob a Piggly Wiggly. <laughs> <laughs> because he, he relays what's going on downstairs with all the other stuff. Like the, 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 uh, he's got machine guns and stuff because he comes down and finds them down in his armory, gives his backstory for Billy, for some reason, because of exposition, and then goes up the stairs, Bubba, I told you to keep out of them keys! Uh, yes, and this it leads us to, oh my god, one of the best slash worst lines in the movie. What? You sure do make love like a hero. Yes! So... <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't. I'm like, okay, sure. I guess that's a thing you can say. Um, no, but, I actually I have the note right next to it. No one talks like that. <laughs> well, that's all her lines are just like about Emilio being a hero, and I'm like, well, he has barely done anything. <laughs> also, that's not even the weirdest part about this sex scene, Nathan. And I think you know what I'm talking about. Well, do, do expound for our oh. listeners. Oh, oh, so while they're laying there, I'm assuming post-coitus... Yes. He decides to rub his fingers on her forehead Mm -hmm. and then licks them. Yep. Gross. Well, you know, different strokes to rule the world. He's like, mmm, I just want to taste your forehead sweat. It's the (laughs) weirdest, like, addition to that scene. Like, when he was, like, rubbing her head, I'm like, what is he... What? What? Gross. Blech. But again, I don't think it's the weirdest sex thing in the movie. I think the the otter is the, that Curtis clearly has a bathroom fetish. Yeah, I mean, I guess maybe that would have been weird if we saw it. And that Joey, a.k.a. Bubba, uh, likes to crank one out while he poops. 
So we've got two bathroom fetishists in this movie, and you think him licking a bead of sweat off of his finger from her is weird? Yeah, it's disgusting. <laughs> okay, it. that's disgusting, but, you know, we're, we'll give a pass to the, the people who, like... <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not giving that a pass either. I'm just I'm, saying... It's not the weirdest. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it, I, I don't know. It's not the that, grossest. It's the grossest we witness. I'll give you that. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's. I think that's what I mean. Because like, you don't actually see him beating it. You don't actually see Lisa Simpson taking a pee. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. (sighs) But yeah, inexplicably, they just like hook up or whatever. It's strange. And then you get the greatest part of the entire movie. Yes. And I'm just gonna put the clip in here. Let's just. uh, One of the waitresses starts losing her mind. Mm-hmm. And she she informs them that we are the ones that in fact made you. Right. The whole goddamn world's going tits up. They can't. We made them. Now look, honey, you've gone and hurt yourself. Now come on, sweet thing. Don't you sweet thing me! Now why don't you, baby? Just they can't. We made them. You can't. We made you! We just said some loyalty, you It's one of the best parts of the movie. Great line delivery. Yeah, it's it. Uh, to me, when I saw that, I was like, I wonder if that's a case where like she was testing Stephen King to be like, I'm gonna go as full on nuts as I possibly can because throughout the rest of the movie, she's not like this waitress who we didn't really talk about a lot, but she's not like a really a major character. But um, I don't find like her performance. I mean, she's not. It's not a great performance, but she's not going like over the top really as much no, as she does here. She's very subdued at the first of the movie where she's taking orders and she's cooking the eggs. Even when she gets cut and everything, she's she's very subdued. Her she just becomes unhinged right and here. I, I really think that she's like St- St- Stephen doesn't know what he's doing. I'm going to see if he stops me from being this over the top. And I'm just going to give it my absolute all. <laughs> and she does. Yep, and, and Stevie King was like, her. cut, print it. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's right. Are, are you sure? Because I, I think I went a little much there. He's like, no, it's 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 real. It's moving on. Ed Wood. And we, this is where we start hearing the salesman across the street. Because he's in the ditch, dying slowly. I guess, and Emilio at this point says it's like that old joke. You can't get there from here. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that is. I don't know that joke. <laughs> I don't. I'm not aware of that joke. I've heard people say that before in a, uh, I don't know, in, in in a weird folksy kind of maybe that. It's not so much an old joke as it is an old punchline. Right. So. But at the same yeah. time, yeah. So it ends up being Emilio and uh, Lisa Simpson's newlywed hu- newlywed husband. Yes, that go over there because just... she's like, "Don't make me a widow on my wedding day, Curtis." <laughs> yep. But at the same time, uh, the kid is making his way to the diner, and he sees yep. like the cir- uh, circle of trucks, and the kid is the first one that runs into. Uh, Bible salesman Joe Flaherty. 
And he's just, he's like grabbing on his ankle and shit. And he says, take me with you, or by Jesus, I'll kill you. Yeah, you're in no position for threats, sir. Again, Bible salesman, though. Yeah, the, no, yeah, yeah. No qualms with murdering a child. Did you find it odd that the sewer that they climbed through was wood-lined? <laughs> Didn't notice that. Yeah, the walls had, like, there was wood on them. I was like, why would you want something that absorbs water to line the sewer? I did note here that I re- I want a, uh, even if it's just like a, a indie game, a stealth uh, game with them doing, like, the sewer stuff. Like, them trying to creep around the trucks and not get caught. I want that video game. <laughs> I want Maximum Overdrive the game. I would love that. I, yeah. I'm not gonna lie. That'd be fantastic. If it was made totally tongue-in-cheek, that'd be hilarious. Yeah. And they're they're climbing through the sewer, uh, just getting, like, feces and urine all over them. There are oh, rats. Oh, it goes in his mouth at some point. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, ha, 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 had that taste. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they're going through, and they, they get to the kid, and they end up not saving Joe Flaherty, because I think he just finally dies. Well, he, he dies, either he just straight up expires, or he's crushed by the dump truck that tries to kill them when they when they get to the kid. Right. Because then, when they're, they're there, a, a dump truck or a, a, comes across the road and crashes down into the ravine uh, and breaks off the end of the sewer pipe that they, that they were at. And then they bring the kid back and inform him... Actually, Pat Hingle informs them after he's apparently just fucked the waitress, I think. Because he comes out... Well, I got the idea of that because when they bring the kid in, you see him come in and kind of put his, like, suspenders up or whatever. And at the same time, the waitress is, like, right behind him and she's, like, doing up her apron. I did not notice that. And I was like... Guess I'll have to watch it again. (laughs) I was like... Gross. (laughs) And he's he's quite rude about... uh, telling the kid that his father's dead oh you don't think he did it in in a good way unceremonially is yeah he got blasted by one of them big boys out there tough break kid yep with all that now comes one of my biggest sticking points for this movie because other vehicles are now coming to the dixie boy so somehow they're communicating long shot with these other vehicles uh one of them is uh, a mobile machine gun uh, turret or a machine gunner. Basically, it's a platform with the machine gun on a swivel attached to it. It's a military vehicle. Yeah. Okay? Now, the the vehicle part of it that moves the platform, I'm totally fine with that being maximum overdrived. Okay? So that, yep. that can move and get around. The gun on top, though, has to be manipulated... By hand. It has to be moved by hand. There's no electrical part in that gun that would make it fire on its own or move on its own. Yeah, you literally need a human hand to press the trigger. Yes. And to move it around, to swivel it on its uh, on its base, because it does that a few times too. Right. Like it points the gun at people and things by itself, which it wouldn't be able to do. Nope, but it does lay yeah. waste to the diner. It does, because uh, Mr. Hendershot and... Uh, is shot. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Steve? I, or, I, oh, uh, just a skeevy guy, I think, maybe. I just wrote down green shirt guy died. 
Okay. So and yeah. he dies hilariously. <laughs> Just kind of stumbles back and sits down slowly. Yeah. Uh, and then this triggers uh, a part two of, We made you! Oh, yes. <laughs> so she she is even dumber at this point because she goes outside and yells at the gun and just gets fucking lit up. And then as she as she's dying, shoots off a rocket because she had the, one of the rocket launchers in her hand. Oh right. <laughs> she didn't get to uh, she didn't get to shoot. Actually, the reason why I know that is because my note here is it's Miller time for Wanda <laughs> because not only is she retired or now resting in peace. She also destroys a, a a Miller beer truck. Oh, what a yeah. monster! <laughs> well, it's Miller, so I mean, I guess I just it was beer, so I got sad. Ah, uh, not for Miller. I mean, they'll make you know, they'll make a ton of it. Like That's they probably true. made twelve or fifteen batches just in the runtime that took us to watch the movie. <laughs> I was gonna say, you imagine like st- stupidly there they actually put beer in the truck for that shot. <laughs> We're Miller, we don't give a fuck. Because it takes nothing for us to make our crappy, crappy beer. <laughs> There's an American Express joke in here somewhere. Yes, there is. Uh, because this is when the tr- they, they start communicating, uh, the trucks or the vehicles do, through Morse code. Oh, my uh, God. Because the military vehicle knows Morse code. And, and, and the kid is the only one that knows Morse code. Well, because he's a Boy Scout. Yeah. So he knows it. Uh, and yeah. it essentially bre- breaks down to feed me Seymour. And, uh, so Emilio, Billy thinking, okay, this might actually win us some favors in regards to the, these vehicles. If we actually, you know, help them out, maybe they'll stop trying to murder us, uh, figures out they want gas. Yep. And, uh, so the machines t- turn the power back on uh, because they had shut the power off earlier uh, after they blew up a jukebox. <laughs> and um, he says, well, I sure hope they didn't forget their American Express. Uh. <laughs> but for some reason, I, Brett, the, the road twitch, as we said earlier, makes a reference to Neville Chamberlain giving in to the Nazis. Does she... Yes, Holy she says. Shit. If you do that, it's this like Neville Chamberlain giving in to the Nazis. That is some subtle political commentary, right? <laughs> so yeah, so this is what they're—they're they're just basically they're giving them gas. Like all these trucks are coming from all over the place, and again because cocaine. Emilio Estevez is explaining to the Green Goblin that he has. The best shit on the East Coast. Fine, uncut, and pure. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god. So so uh, diesel is cocaine for trucks, apparently. Is this a is this whole movie a drug metaphor? I is there's a big possibility. Are the trucks junkies? Dare I say trunkies? <laughs> And this is all about a bunch of junkies uh, hovering around, I don't know, a clinic, being like, hook us up! <laughs> y'all, y'all got any more of that diesel? Scratching, like, there's no tomorrow. <laughs> Just marks all over their arms. Yeah, or, you know, tires. Yeah. <laughs> so we get our fueling montage, oh, which, of course, is... Oh, they would be is... called track marks, too! 
<laughs> and, uh, and scene. Yeah. So fuel montage. Go ahead. <laughs> Which is, uh, of course, backed by our lovely uh, studio band ACDC. Yes. Uh, I believe it's Hell's Bells. Yeah. Uh, is the song. Um, man, I love the soundtrack. I own, uh, I own the soundtrack for this on on cassette tape. Like, yeah, if you like ACDC, I mean, you'll like the soundtrack. So, uh, in in the I the book, this scene with them fueling and there's a line of trucks up the highway. That is the final shot in the short story. Oh, that would have been we a great get, ending, right? Because it's it just uh, it just leaves you in this world where yeah, the trucks are probably going to take over, and it's just futility they're gonna be slaves to feed the trucks i know we've given stephen king a lot of shit and Mm. he's and and this is definitely cocaine the movie but do you think that uh do you think possibly that's a studio move you mean like keeping the truck going keeping the movie going yeah and having like a tied up resolution no because uh because stephen king uh, he has this thing where he he'll do an, a, a story or an idea and he'll write it and put out something, a, a short story or a novel, what have you. But then he'll revisit that idea almost to an exact degree, but change it or push it further. So there's more the, the, the story goes further. And okay. I think that that's what happened here is that they didn't. He didn't want to end it. He wanted it to, to keep going to see them keep fighting. Oh, uh, okay. It's not. I don't think it's so much of a, a studio thing because if the studio had been meddling, I don't think this movie would have got made. <laughs> it's probably. I, I I think there's parts where they would have been like, he does not know what he's doing. We need to put an end to this before we lose even more money. What we need to do is get an all-star celebrity cast to voice these trucks. <laughs> oh my god, I'm like a Mack truck, it's crazy. Hello, I'm the Green Goblin truck here, and I'm going to kill everyone. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> it makes no sense why I'm here, because I would have been a baby at the time, but I'm though this truck over here. <laughs> what the fuck was that? I don't know, Seth Rogen? Oh, okay. <laughs> he was four years old, but that was his voice. <laughs> they uh, they keep going, because um, this is not the end of the movie. There's a part where they run out of gas. Yeah. And they're like, we're out. We have none left. And a fuel truck pulls up to put, say, put more f- fuel that's in this tank into the tanks for the gas station. One of the the release valves on the truck starts spinning itself so they can put the fuel into the fuel tanks. That valve wheel is not motorized. It is not attached to anything electrical and therefore should not be turning on its own. But the, And then this is also where Emilio is like, all right, I got a plan. Oh, but he's also got his theory. Because we had earlier that... Uh, Brett, the road twitch, the hitchhiker, she has her, her theory that uh, everything has become sentient because of just just the aura that the comet is putting off. Right. 
Now, Bill's theory here is that it's not just happenstance, the, the aura that's causing this. He thinks that there are aliens behind it because I'm not saying it's aliens, but aliens. <laughs> he thinks that, okay, if aliens are looking for a new place to live, they find a, 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 a livable habitat, but it's it's full of, you know, pollution and and uh, uh, a dirty atmosphere and stuff like that. What I'm getting at is that this here is like the, I don't know, the fucking Greenpeace moment, a climate change moment that Stephen King was way ahead of the curve on. He's like, he, yeah, I think, well, I think he felt bad because I think with all the trucks in this movie, this movie may have caused global warming. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> so the, his, Bill's theory is that the aliens are controlling all of the machinery to kill all the people who are causing the pollution so that the aliens can have a new world to live in. Mm-hmm. A whole new world. A new fantastic point of view. No one to tell us. Where I got, I got, I messed up. Don't, don't you dare close your eyes. <laughs> Thanks, you saved it. <laughs> and scene. <laughs> this is where Bill has you right. You, he has his plan. Now that he's had his theory, he's got a plan, and he gets a grenade from Mister Hendershot's stash, mm-hmm. and he goes outside to to talk to one of the guys who is is fueling the one of the trucks. And when the gun starts following as they're having a conversation, he's like, now, now, this is a human talk. Nothing you would understand. Nothing you would understand. But the gun should not be able to move and track them, as I've said before. No, it shouldn't. No. But Bill says, well, now, when I say run, you run. And the guy's like, huh? What? And rather than explaining it again to him, because... There was a lot of complexity to those instructions. When I say run, you run. Yeah. He pulls the pin on the grenade, throws it into the onto the platform uh, where the gun is, and then whew, he spins the uh, the turret so it, it can't get a steady shot on anything, and it's just spinning and spinning and spinning. Right. Do you know why he was able to just spin that turret? Because there's no machine parts that are keeping it locked in place. <laughs> <sighs> I love this movie, but it's so frustrating sometimes. <laughs> while while that uh, explosion is taking place, too, everybody else is crawling through the sewer tunnel. Yes, because uh, we we failed to mention um, th- th- that's the part where Bill explained that the trucks, if they tried to come in, they would crash into the basement and be stuck. But there's no reason that the um, the machine gun guy couldn't call in uh, planes to just napalm the place. And that's why they decide to go along with the fueling, because if they don't, they know that there is a way for that thing to kill them. So that's why they, he, obviously he takes the gun out first because one, it's a gun and two, it possibly could communicate with, uh, planes that have napalm. Right. Right. So the trucks do just that. They crash through the the diner. Yes, they go full-on kamikaze. Explosions happen. We think that it got everyone, but the Green Goblin truck got away. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> this is, I think this is one of my favorite things. So everybody's like kind of scurrying away and trying to make it to a boat. Yes, because he he wants to get to the marina. Yeah. Um, just spoiler alert, sailboats do have 
engines on them for backup. So, so it won't be. So it'll totally become sentient and just kill them. Right. <laughs> Which would have been a great ending. <laughs> but uh, they see a, a plane crashing into a school bus for some reason. <laughs> yeah. And they 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 uh, they, they think they're hiding, uh, but a uh, a fucking Whataburger or McDonald's drive-through machine comes to life and starts saying, "Humans here." Humans here. Humans here. Uh, uh, also, um, yeah, no. Because drive-thru windows don't have automated voices. Right. They have to have somebody on the other end speaking into a microphone. That was my biggest egregious one. I was like, okay, come on. <laughs> That's not even a thing that they normally do. <laughs> right. Uh, but, but the kid lays waste to it. Yeah, he, he does, he's like, this is for my dad. Um, and that I, I maybe he's he he's he feels that he's hurting the machines in some way. But I noted that that drive-through box did nothing to his father. <laughs> yeah, hmm. it's like it's like killing. It, you know what? It's it's kind of racist. A little bit. <laughs> he's blaming all machines for one machine's actions. Yeah, that's the I very mean, definition really, of racism. That kid is not woke at all. Mm-mm. Oh. Your prejudice is showing. And this is, I guess, one of the points where we actually get uh, the road twitch actually actively trying to try, trying to help or helping because she saves Curtis. And to which I noted, Curtis and the Twitch only on Fox. Ooh, it have to be in uh, prime time. Right, and of course they would be able to get Yeardley Smith uh, to be Curtis's wife because she's already on Fox because she's uh, Lisa Simpson. Oh, uh, be great! If they, I want them to make a Maximum Overdrive reference on The Simpsons if they haven't already. Oh, that'd be delightful. I feel like they probably have though. Probably one of the tree houses of horror has probably done the the sentient machines thing. I I can almost guarantee it. I'm just hoping Lisa was like, "Why does all this seem so familiar?" <laughs> Uh, we do get one last, um, uh, body bag filler. Uh, we know that it's fine for him to die because he's scummy because he sees some poor woman dead hanging out of a car (laughs) with a giant ring on her finger and he wants to steal it because I guess he figures if this all blows over, we're just going to go back to the, you know, the regular world economy and I can pawn this thing for a ton of money. Yep, and then the most, the craziest thing is that as he's standing there looking at it, (laughs) a big rig truck, Green Goblin, sneaks up on him. Yes. Like, he doesn't hear, I'm sorry, I hear a truck, like, listen, I am recording in a tiny room right now, the window is closed, I can hear a truck from, like, a ways down the road. Right. Like I'm, if it's twenty feet behind me, I'm gonna hear it. Right. <laughs> but yeah, and and it smokes him and kills him. Yes. But then I think Emilio just like shoots another rocket launcher at him or something. Yes, because he's adios, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> and Nathan, they get in the boat, and what in the world is that title card? <laughs> okay, so <laughs> the title card. Uh, which is our parting shot, um, except for some ADR with with Con- uh, Curtis and Connie. Um, it explains to us that uh, 
a, a, sat- a weather satellite with nuclear capabilities destroyed a, a Russian weather satellite. It was a, Ru- well, no, yeah, it said a Russian weather satellite and weather satellite was in quotes. Yes. With, with nuclear capabilities destroyed a UFO. <laughs> and uh, the, the, Earth passed through the, the, the comet's tail as planned, uh, and the Dixie Boy uh, survivors are still survivors. It's the, it's the craziest title card. And of course we get, Curtis, you know I get seasick, Curtis! I think I'm going to whoops my cookies. Yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah, because like, so I guess the alien theory and the comet theory are right. I guess <laughs> it's the strangest it's thing. A, like he throws it's a, in, uh, it's a tandem of the two. Yeah, he just throws in like an anti-communist mes- message at the end, because <laughs> he's like the Russian weather satellite, quote unquote, which we all know to be a nuclear weapon, just <laughs> so happened to use its nuclear weapon somehow and blow up a UFO. <laughs> And saves, and we're, which essentially means we were saved by the commies. Yeah, but I yeah. think there's a snarkiness to it, too. <laughs> and then it ends with, uh, shook me all night long. Yes. And actually, because of uh, the title card, my my parting note on that title card is, uh, what caused what? What caused what? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't think that gives us an answer for anything. <laughs> the delightful sequel song to Who Made Who? What caused what? <laughs> what caused what? Yeah, like I was just like I still don't understand why all of this happened, but I'm not angry. <laughs> no. So, Nathan, I'm I'm going to this is going to be a pretty obvious question, but uh would you recommend uh, Maximum Overdrive? 1000%. Yeah. I would say if you're looking for the, like it's one of those quintessential uh, hilarious, like, quote-unquote, like, bad movies. Like, cult movies, you know what I mean? It, it. I feel like this is on the, the list with, like... Uh, well, I mean, different different movies, but, I mean, it's on the list with, like, The Room and, like, uh, Master, well, maybe Masters of the Universe. I'm trying to think of, like, the... No, Masters of the Universe is definitely in that situation. Yeah, like, The Room, Masters of the Universe. Any, like, actually, anything uh, 80s... Uh, and maybe early '90s with Steven Seagal, mm-hmm. uh, just about anything uh, with with Schwarzenegger, excluding Terminator from this era. Yes. Um, most of Stallone's catalog. Uh, what are you trying to say about Cobra? <laughs> that it is a fucking amazing. Love that movie. Oh, again, one that I saw far too young. Oh God! And this movie—it it absolutely belongs in the, this movie. Was an integral part of my childhood so much so that when I watched it for the podcast, I was like, "Oh, Cheyenne, c- c- come watch a movie with Dad." <laughs> <laughs> did she also enjoy it? She absolutely did. All right, there you go. And I—it was great because she she grasped the concept of machines coming to life far sooner than the people in the movie did. (laughs) She was like, I know what's going on. (laughs) Well, on that note, we're going to take a brief break and we will be right back. What were they thinking? 
What Were They Thinking is brought to you by HostGator. HostGator is a leading provider of shared, reseller, VPS, and dedicated hosting solutions. Award-winning support is available 24-7, 365 days a year via phone, email, and live chat. Discover why over 9 million websites trust HostGator. Use the coupon code SCHLUCK for 25% off your first purchase. That's SCHLUCK, S-C-H-L-O-C-K, for 25% off your first purchase. What Were They Thinking is brought to you today by GameItAll.com. Whether it's video game news, the latest in music, or movie reviews, GameItAll.com is your one-stop shop for all nerdy talk. What were they thinking? Uh, Nathan? Uh, yes, Brendan? We're back from the break, and we're here we on are. NPR Radio. Yes. Yes, we are. About to do the low haiku. Yes, the low haiku. Uh, 17 beautiful syllables used to describe a nigh-flawless movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, I'll, I'll read mine first this time. Yes, please. Uh, be my guest. <clears throat> I'm sorry for the uh, energy level might go up a little bit. I apologize okay. in advance. That's well, you know what? Are you you've given your trigger warning, so we've done our part. Yes, exactly. Uh, I hope I just hope we can retain our sponsors. Yes. Hong Kong Kong I feel that, that that was very apt, and it was very um, considerate of you to do it uh, in the language of uh, the uh, antagonists of the film to show that we, while they are portrayed as antagonists, we do not see machines as antagonists, proving thus, again, that we are the wokest part of this podcast. Woke as Careful, heck. careful. NPR. There we go. Still oh, a little spicy. Still a little spicy, a little spicy. but I woke, think that's woke okay. as I'll get out. Right there we go. Excellent yeah. way to bring it back. Bring it back and, and keep it appropriate. Nathan, your haiku? Yes. <clears throat> this was pure brilliance. Even the director wrong. Where is the Oscar? Thank you, Gauss. Thank you. Hmm. Always welcome to make an appearance on the show, Gauss. Mm-hmm. Yes. <clears throat> you know what I've got to say about those haikus, Nathan? What's that? We made you! But now, we go to the point of the show where we look at the other side of the critique because what do we always say? Well, we always say... That's right. Don't take our word for it. Let's take a look at Rotten Tomatoes, see what people have to say. Before we even do that, I I, I have to make note that uh, the harshest review of this movie is from its its own director. <laughs> um, because Stephen King, while he directed this movie, he wrote it, 
He does not look favorably upon it. In fact, he has described it as the perfect moron movie. <laughs> it's actually a pretty funny description. That's why in the low haiku, I noted that even the director is wrong about his opinion on this movie because this movie is fantastic, in my opinion. <laughs> I love that he he's that the, he hates he's, it. He's the first negative critic. Well, speaking of that, Nathan, since you mentioned that, the fr- uh, well, first of all, we should say the critics get seventeen uh, percent. That's terribly low. And audience is fifty. So Ab- right in the terribly, middle. terribly low. So uh, the first review is from Austin Kennedy of Sin Magazine. He says, Stephen King has admitted himself that he was coked out of his mind during the making of this. Well, duh. (laughs) Well, Steve Crum from VideoReviewMaster.com. I'm guessing he is the Video Review Master, maybe? I don't know. I'm hoping. He he gave this a review uh, back in 2009 and wrote... Uh, truck stop attacked by mechanical objects, including trucks gone awry, based on Stephen King's story. That's quite a review. <laughs> it's, it, he gave it a fresh rating. So. I, get, I got the opinion just from that. <laughs> Three out of five. <laughs> uh, this is from uh, Shannon J. Harvey of the Australian Sunday Times. <clears throat> a suitably schlocky Stephen King story. Crikey. Shrimp on the barbie. <laughs> Didgeridoos. Stephen King on the Bobby. <laughs> uh, Ken Hankey from the Mountain Express out of Na- Asheville, North Carolina. Oh. So, I mean, in the same state that the movie is taking place. Uh-oh. He writes, This is why other people usually direct King's writing. <laughs> <laughs> Two out of five. Fair. <laughs> Last one I have here is from uh, professional wrestler Brian McKay. Of the efilmcritic.com. <laughs> That's literally just for us. <laughs> or, and maybe some of our localized listeners. <laughs> yep. Most of the characters are so annoying that you want them to die. A recipe for a railroad spike lobotomy migraine. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that, uh, was the, that was the one that went the hardest. That is hurtful. Um, Alex Sandel uh, from... Juicy Cerebellum writes, Maximum crap! It sort of revived ACDC, if that matters. Zero out of five. Alex, you can go fornicate yourself with a hot rod iron poker. In the spirit of the movie, Nathan, even though we are rated E for explicit, you used other swear words. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> I wanted oh. to be classy. Like I, a, I've put a lot of thought into what he should do it and how he should do it, and I feel that using the proper English to say that he should fornicate himself with a hot rod iron poker uh, is, is it's just uh, it's, it's it's an element that it adds uh, to the insult that rather than just saying you know what uh, go stick a hot iron poker up your ass. Yeah, classy, just like this movie. Right. So let's go to the audience reviews. Yes, let's. Uh, criminally low 50% rating. Well, all my reviews I, I pulled were, except for one, were five-star reviews. Okay. Uh, Jake C. gives it two and a half stars. Uh-huh. And he says, it's like watching a barely sentient train wreck fueled as much by uncut pure cocaine as the movie is by, as the movie is by uncut pure diesel. <laughs> <laughs> Thus alluding to the fact that, that diesel is, again, cocaine. For- Theory is sound. 
Yeah. Horrific R uh, gave it one and a half. With Stephen King both being the writer and director, I didn't know what to expect from this film. It's not good. Harley passes as decent, to be honest, with an ACDC-only soundtrack and a rather unsuspenseful and plain setting. This film starts out dry and ends dry. There's some intriguing kills, but no real scares, and I found myself with no attachment to any of the characters. This could have been potentially been a fun movie to watch with a group of friends, but I feel it even fails at that with its excess of dry dialogue. Not a fan of this film. Not much at all. Wait a second. Okay. Disliking the movie aside, whatever, but dry dialogue? Not in the least. <laughs> this is dialogue is the fucking most insane dialogue I've ever it, yes, heard. Yes, it has some intriguing dialogue choices, and, that's for sure. And not a party movie? Are you kidding me? I I have s- several times watched this with friends just because they have uttered the phrase, I've never seen that. There you go. That's an this open is what invitation. It, it's yes, it's one of the few movies where I become that guy. <laughs> Not so much that oh my god, dude, you got to see it, you got to see it. No, no, I become that guy, and that we're watching it right now. <laughs> uh, this next one is a is a five star review. I don't have a name, so I guess they're anonymous. Uh, Emilio Estevez versus killer trucks in the desert with giant guns and ACDC blaring the whole time. Hell yeah. This movie is perfect for everyone who thought that Tremors was too sophisticated. In the desert? (laughs) That's what it says. They're in North Carolina. (laughs) (laughs) Well, take it up with Anonymous. All right. Jacob B. Okay. Uh, Two stars. Maximum Overdrive is a brutal and gory film that has its moments but ultimately prefers to rely on shock value and, as the movie progresses, starts becoming progressively more boring. False. The result? One of the most infamous films of the 80s, which makes it easy to see why Stephen King never directed another movie again. <laughs> Do not agree with that. I wouldn't... That's the one That's the one thing that came up twice now. I would never say it was boring, that's for sure. Goddamn right. <laughs> so, I've actually only got one more here, but it's a five-star okay. review, and uh, it's from Altered E, and he or she says, the only, the only thing sadder than Stephen King squandering any creative talent he had in this cocaine-fueled, semi-pile-up, taken-movie form is that the director of photography lost an eye while filming it, and lost his career as a result. Yep. Having never read the source material and blissfully unaware of the lives ruined by this flick, I had an absolute blast watching it. There's no explanation for any of the plot, no character development whatsoever, and generally no plot whatsoever. Just a lot of stupid characters dying. Five stars. I had forgotten all the yeah, all the unsafe working conditions around this movie. That does not <laughs> surprise me. The, he, yeah, it was the, um, the lawnmower blade uh, a, a piece, like, Broke off and got caught the guy in the eye. Can you imagine being like, I was a cinematographer and then Maximum Overdrive ended Happened. my career. <laughs> oh, like you were an actor and you couldn't get work anymore? No, I was blinded. I was blinded by the mower blade that broke. Blinded by, <laughs> by the, blade. the blade. There you go. Uh, Irwin F. This is my last one. Okay. Uh, four, I give it four stars. Simply awesome popcorn flick. Story by Stephen King. Songs by AC. DC. Nuff said. And goddamn right, Irwin. Goddamn right. 
Yeah, so those are the reviews, folks. Uh, and before we go any further, we should give a little hint as to what is coming up next week. So, Nathan, hit us up. Well, it is the fifth Thursday. Halloween! Right. Uh, and being October, uh, it not only is it Halloween for us here in Canada, not only is it Thanksgiving month for us here in Canada, but it is also the one-year anniversary of the legalization of marijuana. Mm. So, our next movie, A Small Screen Shameful, will actually hold two of those three things close to heart, Halloween and cannabis. L- ladies and gentlemen, are you ready for your hint? Yeah. Those blood-sucking bastards. There you have it. And again, of course, before we go any further from that, would your uh, friend Montrose Monkington like to come in and say a few words? Yes, of course. Okay. Hello! It's your good friend Montrose Monkington Third here, and just before I get going, I just, I just want to bring something to your attention, chaps. Um, th- those two uh, Eastern European fellows that do the cleaning up around here, they were they were giving me a, a, a bit of problem. Just, oh. want to, just want to let you know. Uh, uh, so just to keep an eye on them. Is there anything we should talk to them about? Or? Well, just, they, they didn't seem very receptive to me being in the studio. Uh, one of them said it was because I didn't have shoes. Hmm... All right. Well, I'll look into it for you. I'm sure okay. nothing. I'm sure nothing will come of it. I, I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so, anyways, I, I'm cutting off the rail. I am Montrose Monkington the Third Esquire, uh, from Bananashire upon Hempton in the great country of England. Uh, please do uh, check out my YouTube channel, Montrose Monkington TV. Uh, you can also uh, be a friend with me on Facebook. Uh, Montrose Monkington the Third Esquire and friends is the name of my group. Uh, please uh, feel free to go over there and like and become one of my friends. Uh, and you can also follow me on the Twitter at uh, Montrose the Third. That's the number three R D. Uh, thank you. For later. I I I don't know where to go. I, that that's just my my signature line. So thank you. More later. Uh, I again do keep an eye on those Eastern European fellows. They do seem to be sketchy, if if you will. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah. I'll, I'll keep an eye out for you, Montrose. Uh, thank yeah, you. I, more later. I, I do appreciate. Don't steal my signature line, there, Brendan. All right. Well, I'll, I'll see you later. All right. Have, uh, good day to you, gentlemen. All right. Good day. Good day. Okay. Good day. It's good day. Thanks. So long. Yep. Farewell. See ya. Auf Wiedersehen. Bye. Good night. Adios. <laughs> to you. <sighs> and you. And you. And you. And you. Wow. He just he just danced on out of here. We made you. <laughs> He's gone. He's out. He's out singing the. Uh, the 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 songs from the hill uh, sound of music. So. <laughs> he really does love the musicals that Montrose. I mean, he's British, so right. It's weird they mentioned that the thing about Milos and Borshti. I mean, I mean, we did nothing, nothing but good. You know, I mean, aside from the shoes thing. Yeah, but I mean, everyone has their quirks. I mean, look at Curtis. Yeah, and and Joey slash Bubba. Exactly. I'm, I'm sure it'll be fine, Nathan. And Emilio Estevez with his bead sweat tasting uh, thing. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure they'll be fine. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm, nothing will come of it. Nothing will come of that. No, not at all. But I would like to say that if you want to follow us on social media, you can. You can find us on Facebook. Just search for What Were They Thinking. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at WWTT Podcast. 
You can find us on all the podcatchers like Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all that good stuff. Find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash podcast, and you can also find us on Redbubble and TeePublic. And that is that. So, that is that. having said all that, I do have uh, questions for you. Yeah, questions for me. All but right, I would well. I, I would like to translate it um, so it's, you know, it properly fits uh, okay. yep. our episode more. All right. <clears throat> Right. Without a doubt. Well, yes, I mean, but that we explain that. I'm not entirely sure what they were thinking. Trailers for sale are in. Rooms to let 50 cents No phone, no pool, no pets Ain't got no cigarettes Ah, but two hours of pushing broom buys an eight, twelve, four bedroom I'm a man of means By no means King of the road Third box car, midnight train Destination banger, main Whoa, worn out suit and shoes I don't pay no union dues I smoke old stogies I have found Short, but not too big around I'm a man of means by It's time, let's check our cue, baby Pair it with a couple brews, baby We love good movies We love the bad ones, too So we watch them all and pass their lessons on to you Oh, yeah Everything I learned from movies Helps to make life a little bit groovy With a one last plot holes and gratuitous boobies It's time to get busy With your friend Steven Izzy At eilfm.podbean.com